History of the 3rd Battalion, 6th Regiment, U.S. Marines, compiled from the official records kept by the battalion historian and operations reports covering all the engagements in which this battalion participated. Maps by the Battalion Intelligence Section, published by Ackers, Mac, Ritchie, and Hurlbert, Hillsdale, Michigan, 1919. Contents, Halftone, Lieutenant Colonel Burton W. Sibley. List of Operations, Verdun Sector, Toulon Subsector. Chateau Thierry Sector, Soissons Sector, Saint Mihiel, Salient, Champagne, Blancmont, Meuse Argonne, March to the Rhine. Preface After receiving numerous requests for copies of the 3rd Battalion history, and after Sergeant Major Robinson had written two sets of five copies each on the typewriter, it became evident that if every man who wanted and deserved a copy of the history of his battalion during the late war secured one, this history would have to be printed. After a great deal of thoughtful discussion, Lieutenant McRitchie, former battalion quartermaster, and Lieutenant Charles F. Hurlbut, formerly of the 84th Company, both of whom have been with the battalion throughout the major portions of its history, convinced me that the history not only can be printed and put out in a convenient form, but that it is really a duty that the custodians of the battalion records owe to the members of the battalion. With this thought in mind, Lieutenant McRitchie, Lieutenant Hurlbut, and myself formulated the plan and prepared to put it through. A preliminary canvas of the men aboard the Bohemia disclosed the widespread desire for copies of the history among the present members of the battalion. It is only reasonable to suppose that it will be equally well received by the other members of the battalion who came home ahead of us. A history of this kind, to be of value, must be as accurate as the exigencies of war permit. This accuracy has been reached chiefly through the continuous and untiring efforts of Captain David Bolemi, former adjutant of the battalion, who worked unceasingly to make the operations report after each engagement as accurate and complete as humanly possible. As the history is largely a collection of these operations, reports are debt to Captain Bolemi can be easily seen. The first operations report for the period from June 1st to August 10th was written by Captain Bolemi and corrected and edited by Major Sibley. The next report covered St. Mihiel and was also written by Captain Bolemi, who wrote the reports for Champagne before he was evacuated to the SOS with an advanced case of influenza. After the evacuation of Captain Bolemi, it became my task as his successor to write the report for the Argonne Muse and fill in the connecting matter and brief report, Return and Demobilization of the Battalion. The data for this I secured from my personal diary, from the Battalion File of Orders, and from records kept by Sergeant Ray E. Badcock. The battalion historian. This work is concise, has no elaborate descriptive matter, and may appear to be unnecessarily cold, but it is believed that the plain narrative with accurate dates, hours, and places will be the thing most desired in the years to come, and that memory will supply the cloak to cover these naked facts. To Major Burton W. Sibley belongs the credit for the supervision of the first operations report, covering as much as it did the two largest operations a battalion ever participated in. This groundwork served as a standard upon which all later reports and the history itself were built, and an entire work is dedicated to him. Herbert H. Ackers, Chicago, Illinois, 1919. History of the 3rd Battalion The 3rd Battalion of the 6th Regiment was organized at Marine Barracks, Quantico, Virginia, August 1st, 1917, with Major Burton W. Sibley in command. The companies composing the battalion were the 82nd, Captain Dwight F. Smith commanding, the 83rd, Captain Albert R. Sutherland commanding, the 84th, 
Captain Harry G. Bartlett, commanding. And the 97th, Captain Robert W. Vaux, commanding. The roster of officers at the time of embarkation for overseas was as follows. Staff, Sibley Burton W., Major Commanding. Hicks Frederick I., Second Lieutenant, Battalion Adjutant, 84th Company. Bartlett Harry G., Major, Company Commander. Smith Mark A., First Lieutenant, Second in Command. Maynard Charles B., First Lieutenant, First Platoon Commander. Mason Haradio, First Lieutenant, Fourth Platoon Commander. Calvishais Edward D., Second Lieutenant, Second Platoon Commander. Ferguson Allen C., Second Lieutenant, Third Platoon Commander. 82nd Company, Smith Dwight F., Company Commander. McFarland Hugh, First Lieutenant, Second in Command. Roberts Charles D., Second Lieutenant, First Platoon Commander. Bellamy David, Second Lieutenant, Fourth Platoon Commander. Smallman Clinton the First, Second Lieutenant, Second Platoon Commander. Robinson Caldwell C., Second Lieutenant, Third Platoon Commander. 97th Company, Vaux Robert W., Captain, Company Commander. Muckleson Stanley M., Captain, Second in Command. McEvey Thomas T., First Lieutenant, First Platoon Commander. Marshall Ralph W., Second Lieutenant, Fourth Platoon Commander. Moore William B., Second Lieutenant, Second Platoon Commander. Skelton Albert G., Second Lieutenant, Third Platoon Commander. 83rd Company, Sutherland Albert R., Captain, Company Commander. Noble Alfred H., First Lieutenant, Second in Command. Holiday Davis A., First Lieutenant, First Platoon Commander. McRosie Allen, Jr., Second Lieutenant, Fourth Platoon Commander. Murphy Richard W., Second Lieutenant, Second Platoon Commander. Timmerman Louis F., Jr., Second Lieutenant, Third Platoon Commander. Organized with company commanders and senior non-commissioned officers from the Old Marine Corps School of Experience and junior officers and men from the Recruit Depot at Paris Island, South Carolina, and Mare Island, California, the training of the battalion for the service on the Western Front began. This training included close-order drill, skirmish drill by platoon and company, trench digging, erecting barbed wire entanglements, signaling of all kinds, and rifle practice. The rifle and machine gun practice took place on the newly completed Quantico rifle range. Practice marches and open warfare maneuvers were interspersed with the specialty training and the men hardened to the game, which was to become their lot in France. At 9.30 a.m., October 24, 1917, the battalion began its journey to France, traveling by train to Philadelphia, where the troops were embarked on the USS von Steuben, then lying at anchor in the Delaware River off League Island. At 5 a.m., October 25, the von Steuben weighed anchor and sailed, arriving off Tompkinsville, in New York Harbor at 9 a.m. October 26. Here the ship remained at anchor five days, but no one was allowed to go ashore and all mail was carefully censored. Absolute secrecy was maintained as to the time set for departure and as to the destination. The remaining ships of the convoy, three transports, one armored cruiser, the USS North Carolina, and two destroyers gathered within the next few days, and at 7 p.m. October 31st, the convoy moved out on its way to France. The weather was unusually fair, and all went well until 6.13 p.m., November 9th, when due to a misunderstanding of orders, the Agamemnon and the von Steuben collided, making a large hole in the bow of the von Steuben. This occurred in the edge of the submarine zone, and the ships of the convoy were ordered to separate and meet the following day.
After steaming all night alone at seven knots per hour, her bow in the air, to keep the hole above the waterline, temporary repairs were made. The remainder of the convoy was picked up, and at noon, the group continued the trip at 15 knots. Later in the day, 10 destroyers from the American fleet and European waters joined the convoy, and the USS North Carolina turned back for the United States. The journey through the submarine zone was made without further accident, and early November 12th, land was sighted. At noon, the convoy dropped anchor in the harbor at, of Brest, France. While awaiting debarkation orders and transportation to the final destination, the battalion commander ordered one company ashore each day for a practice march. November 17th, the 83rd and 84th companies with battalion headquarters paraded in Brest. Early Monday morning, November 19th, the troops disembarked and entrained in a French troop train, which left at 12.30 p.m. on the Chemin de Fer de l'Ouest southward, arriving at Lormont, France. A suburb of Bordeaux at midnight, November 20th, 1917. The battalion here rejoined the regimental headquarters 73rd and supply companies and was assigned to duty with the 18th engineers building docks at the basins. The following detachments were deailed for provost and engineer duty in the neighboring camps and towns. Captain Vaux, Provost Marshal Tours, November 27th to January 21st. First Platoon, 97th Company, Provost Duty Tours in November 27th to 21st, Lieutenant Skelton in command, the 84th Company, Provost in Fatigue Duty, Lachonet, December 18th, January 5th, Major H.G. Bartlett commanding, Lieutenant Marshal and 20 men from the 97th Company, La Courtine, December 8th to January 5th, Fatigue and Provost Duty, Lieutenant Timmerman and 30 men, 83rd Company, Marsh Prime, December 6th to January 4th, Fatigue Duty, Lieutenant Roberts and 1st Platoon, 82nd Company, Sinon, Provost Duty, December 27th to January 6th. The regiment was relieved by the 162nd Regiment Infantry, Montana National Guard, on January 8th and entrained January 9th, 1918, at Corbeau-Blanc for the 2nd Division Training Area. After a three-day trip in the third class in boxcars, the troops were detrained at Damblaine, Hot Marne, January 12, 1918, and marched to Chaumont-la-Ville, a distance of five kilometers. Here, intensive training for trench and open warfare began at once. This training was very severe, due both to strenuous schedule and the winter season, which set in earnest about this time. However grueling as it seemed then, it so hardened the men that they were able to bear up under the strain of continuous fighting, which later became the lot of the 2nd Division. The schedule included hikes, close order drill, extended order, bayonet fighting, games, practice in both rifle and hand grenade throwing, rifle range practice, storming trench systems, taking strong points, defense against gas attacks, and all modes of signaling then in use. Steel helmets were received shortly after arrival in this area and included in the uniform for drill in order to custom the men to wearing them at all times when in line. A great deal of gas defense drill was included in the schedule, and men were required to shoot, march, throw grenades, and perform every possible duty with the masks on. In March, trench knives, extra clothing, etc. were received and issued. Preparations were made for storing extra baggage, and men only allowed to keep what clothing they could carry in their packs. Orders were received that the 2nd Division was going in line just south of Verdun for 30 days, training under fire, and on March 14th, the battalion marched to Bravon and entrained for the front, moving at 9.42 p.m. Holding trenches, Renan Sector, Toulon, Subsector. 
First casualties. Arriving at Duny, 10 kilometers from Verdun, at noon, March 15th, the battalion detrained and moved out by companies as quickly as possible. Orders were to clear the loading platform within two hours to avoid shelling. After walking approximately 16 kilometers to the support position of the Toulon sector, companies were billeted in the following camps. 82nd Company, Camp Richard, and Camp Rondefonte. 83rd Company, Camp Martiquet. 84th Company, Camp Massa. 97th Company, Camp, Camp Fontaine. St. Robert, Battalion Headquarters, Camp Rondefontaine. The battalion went into line in the CR Montesicuts subsector Bonchamp the evening of March 18th, 82nd, 83rd, 84th companies in line, the 97th company in reserve at Camp Montaigne, St. Robert. Being relieved March 28th by the 2nd Battalion, 6 Marines, the battalion marched to Samadou for billet, arriving at daylight March 29th. Ordered to march on the 31st, 82nd and 84th companies and battalion headquarters moved to dark 4 kilometers to Camp Duzane. 83rd company going to Camp Somedou and 97th company going to Camp Evich. They remained here, working on defenses, building entanglements, and digging trenches until April 7th. At dark, April 7th, the battalion relieved the 2nd battalion, 6 marines, and CR Montsicoulet-Cout. Three companies in line and one in reserve. Without incident until the night of April 20th to the 21st, when Germans, after putting down a box barrage around the outpost town of Villers, attacked PP-16 at 1 a.m. with flamethrowers, grenades, and knives, about 30 men being seen. This raid was repulsed by rifle fire and grenades in the hands of the men assigned to this post, the Germans leaving two dead in our wire. Relieved the night of April 24th by 3rd Battalion, 20th French, the unit marched to reserve position at Camp Chifore. May 1st, sent one officer and two NCOs from each company to 1st Corps School at Gondricourt. May 2nd, relieved the 1st Battalion, 6 Marines in Strong Point, Homme de Mont, with two companies in the line, one in support and one in reserve at Camp Chifore. Battalion Headquarters and Support Company 84th of PC Bordet. The battalion spent a quiet 10 days in this subsector. May 9th, Lieutenant Marshal and four NCOs left to secure billets in a new area. May 13th, relieved by a battalion of the 174th French. Marched to Hondeville, arriving at 2 a.m. Remained here until 1 p.m., May 14th, when battalion marched to Encimont and entrained. Departed 6.30 p.m. Training. Arriving at Blemay, Marne, at 3.30 a.m., May 15th, the battalion marched without breakfast to the new training area. Battalion Headquarters 83rd and 84th Companies were billeted at vevre le pit the 97th Company being billeted with Regimental Headquarters at Doucet, and 82nd Company in vevre le grand Training schedule was put into effect and followed until May 19th. The 97th Company was assigned as a loading detail for the 2nd Division and proceeded to Vitry-le-Francois, May 16th. On May 19th at 10 p.m., the 82nd, 83rd, 84th Companies and Battalion Headquarters marched to Vitry-le-Francois, a distance of 17 kilometers, arriving at 4.30 a.m. Breakfast was served at 5 a.m. on a loading platform, and an entire battalion entrained and left at 5.30 a.m. At 5.55 p.m., May 20th, arrived at Iladom, in detrained, marching to Nailerville, five kilometers distant for billets. Marched at 8 a.m., May 21st, arriving at Marines at 4.44 p.m., where battalion billeted for the night. May 22nd, marched at 6 a.m., 
arriving at Monte and V at 10.30 a.m. and billeted together with the 2nd Battalion, remaining there until May 31st. A training program, including divisional terrain exercises, was carried out. Men were issued clothing and equipment, and the battalion was put in first-class condition in all respects. Operations. Chateau Terry Sector. On 30th of May, 1918, found the 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines, Montagny and Vixon. Regimental field order number 2 of that date contemplated a march movement to a new area to begin at 11 a.m. on the 31st. The following order was received at 6 p.m. on the 30th. Headquarters, 6th Regiment, Marine Corps, American Expeditionary Force, France, 30th of May, 1918. Memorandum. 1. Advance information official received that this regiment will move at 10 p.m. 30th of May by bus to New Area. All trains shall be loaded at once and arrangements hastened. Orders will follow. Wagons when loaded will move to Saran's to form train. By order of Colonel Catlin, F.E. Evans, Major, United States Marine Corps Adjutant. Sometime after 10 p.m., same date, this regimental memorandum was received. The 3rd Battalion will take Camion at Saran's at 4.45 a.m. tomorrow, 31st May, for an eight-hour trip, destination Moi. At 3 a.m., Battalion left Montagny for Saran, where a hot breakfast was served from the kitchens which had been sent ahead. Camion were boarded at 8.30 a.m. After a day and a night in the trucks, Montreal-Lyon was reached in the morning of June 1st. After a few hours of rest, the battalion started for the front along the Chateau Terry Lafrette Road. Outside of Montreal, the battalion commander received verbal orders to take up a position in the woods northeast of Lavoie de Chateau. This was done in the night spent there. The French in the front were falling back. The next day, June 2nd, the companies were more advantageously placed in an effort made to get in better touch with the situation. Enemy shelling continued, and that afternoon the battalion suffered its first casualties on the Chateauy front. Two men were killed, and twelve men were wounded. At 5 p.m., the following order was received. From Commanding Officer, 6th Regiment, at P.C. Lavoie du Chateau. 2. Commanding Officer, 3rd Battalion. Be prepared. Send fresh company to Lausanne's farm to report Holcomb as reserve. German fresh division expected to attack American right with two regiments north of Paris Road and one south. FEE. The 97th Company was sent to report to Major Holcomb in accordance with this order. In accordance with regimental orders, the night of June 2nd was spent in an open field east of the woods and north of the Voitu Chateau Lucie Le Bocage Road. To escape the barrage, it was thought the enemy would put down on the La Bouille du Chateau at nightfall. At break of day, position was again taken up in La Boue de Chateau, this time along Champollion La Bouille du Chateau Road. Heavy shelling during the entire day, which resulted in several casualties among Italian scouts and 84th Company. About noon, the 82nd Company was sent to reinforce the front line northeast of Champlain and east of Point 142. This company had several casualties, including four men killed while taking up position. At dark, Battalion Headquarters 83rd Company and one platoon of the 73rd Machine Gun Company moved up and joined 82nd Company south of Torcy. Major Sibley taking command of that portion of the line running from point 142 for about 1,000 yards in an easterly direction. The line on this front was in most places along edge of the woods. At some points, the enemy was in the same woods and about 50 yards distant. The armor, artillery, and machine guns were active during the, the afternoon and night. The next morning, June 4th, the battalion commander further reconnoitered the situation and found the French had left a portion of the line on our right unoccupied. After a conference with Major Shear, 
a portion of the 1st Battalion of the 5th Regiment and some machine guns were sent to fill the gap. The enemy artillery, machine guns, and snipers were active during the entire day, but our casualties were not heavy. The 84th Company, which had been left in La Bois du Chateau, suffered some casualties from artillery fire. On June 5th, conditions continued much the same as on previous day. The day was spent in digging in and strengthening our position. During the early morning hours, the enemy launched a mild attack, but were repulsed by our fire without serious losses to us. After daylight and during the day, enemy was seen from time to time, and our snipers reported to have done effective sniping. About 9 p.m. on June 5th, the following order was received. Commanding Officer 3rd Battalion, Your battalion will be relieved sometime tonight by Turrell's battalion. When 82nd and 83rd companies are relieved, you will proceed via Champollion, via present regimental headquarters to Ferme Blanc, where your battalion will go in reserve. Orders will be given the commanding officer 84th Company and 97th Company to report to you at Ferme Blanc. The platoon 73rd Company will remain in place. Guide will be found at regimental headquarters, colonel's office, to conduct you to Ferme Blanc by order. FEE, 8.05 p.m. We'll send in Spalding's rations by Ford with his runner on Ford. At 3 a.m. morning of June 6, the 1st Battalion of the 5th launched an attack through a portion of our line. Two platoons, 83rd Company, holding the line until they advanced. This attack brought in fierce machine gun fire from the enemy, but the 82nd and 83rd Companies were able to withdraw without serious losses. By daylight on the morning of the 6th, the relief was completed. The day up to 3 p.m. was spent at Maison Blanc Farmé on the Chateau Thierry La Ferté Road. The battalion left three platoons, 97th Company, who joined us at about 5 p.m., having assembled there. By 3 p.m., the battalion was underway in accordance with the following order. Headquarters, 4th Brigade, Marine Corps, American Expeditionary Force, 6 June, 1918, 2.05 p.m. Field Order Number 2, Map, Moi, 49, 1 by 50,000. 1. The enemy holds the general line, Porches Torsi Montecor. 2. This brigade attacks on the general line, Porches Torsi. 3. The attack will be in two phases to take the boys de Bella, to take RR Station Porches, Porches Village, Brook Crossing, 173.9, TAC 264.1, Hill 126, Hill 133. A. Disposition of troops for the first phase. The boys de Bella will be taken by the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, less one company on the left, and the 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines on the right. The attack, first phase, will be commanded by Colonel Catlin, 6th Marines. B. Sector limits, first phase, left battalion, northern, 262.8, southern, 261.2. Right battalion, northern, 261.2, southern, 260.8. C. The 2nd Battalion, 6th Marines, will advance its left to conform to the progress made by the battalion on its left. D. Disposition of troops for the 2nd phase. Position RR Station Borchez, Borchez Village, Brook Crossing, 173.9, Tech, 264.1, Hill 126, Hill 133, will be taken by the 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines, on the right. The 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, less one company in the center, and the 1st Battalion, 5th, and one company each of the 2nd Battalion and 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. E. Sector Limits, 2nd Phase, 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines, Northern Hill, 181, RR Bridge, 177.0, TAC, 261.3, Southern, Hill 138, Southern End of Borches Village, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, Less One Company, Northern, Hill 133, to Borches Torcy Road, 
at intersection with Y line at 176. Southern Hill 181 RR Bridge 177.0 Tech 261.3 Exclusive. First Battalion, Fifth Marines, and one company each of Second and Third Battalions, Fifth Marines. Northern Square Wood to Brook Crossing 173.9 Tech 264.1 and Hill 126. Southern from right at present position to Hill 133. Exclusive. F. The attack of the center and right of the second phase will be commanded by Colonel Catlin, 6 Marines. The attack of the left of the second phase will be commanded by Lieutenant Colonel Philand, 5th Marines. G. The attack on the Boys de Bella and on the village and railroad station of Borches will be supported by the 77th Machine Gun Company. The attack on the Brook Crossing, 173.9, TAC 269.1, 126, TAC 133, inclusive will be supported by the machine guns, now with the 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. X. The artillery preparation will be made in accordance with orders from the Commanding General of 2nd FA Brigade. Y. The attack on Boys de Billa will begin at 5 p.m. The 2nd phase will begin as soon as the 1st phase has attained its objective. Z. Aviation will be ordered by the Commanding General, 21st Army Corps, French. 4. The 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines. Less one company will constitute the brigade reserve in the woods northwest of Lucie de la Bocage. 5. The position when attained will be at once organized to be held against counterattack. 6. Trains will remain in place. 7. Brigade and regimental PCs remain in place. There was no other information concerning the enemy or the terrain, and as there was no time for scouting, the company commanders were shown the above order, also their objectives on the map and were conducted to the line from which the battalion would start the attack. The 82nd Company and the 84th Company were in the front line, the 82nd Company being on the left of the ravine that runs from Lucy Le Bocage to Borches, and the 84th Company being on the right of this ravine. The 83rd Company was placed in support of the 82nd Company and the 97th Company in support of the 84th Company. All companies were in four-wave formation. Company commanders were informed that the battalion commander and PC would advance along the ravine. The attack started at 5 p.m., and battalion advanced according to schedule until about 8.30 p.m., when enemy artillery and machine gun fire became so heavy that further advance was impractical. During this time, the battalion had advanced about two kilometers and had reached the edge of the woods near Borches, which was the first objective designated by the regimental commander for this battalion. The 82nd Company, having been held up by terrific machine gun fire from machine gun nests, the 83rd Company had gone in to support it and fought its way to a clump of trees about 300 yards northwest of Borches. In this vicinity, one platoon of the 83rd Company captured 17 prisoners, two machine guns, and a quantity of ammunition. These guns were set up by them and used with good effect upon the enemy. Our casualties had been heavy, but we had been able to kill and wound many of the enemy. Two mining warfers and much ammunition had been abandoned by the enemy on the ground passed over by the 82nd and 83rd Companies. The general situation in this attack is shown in Sketch A's attached. The two right companies advanced for the large part through open wheat fields and were under constant observation and direct artillery and machine gun fire. The two left companies were entirely in the southern sector of the Bois de Bella. They did not meet serious resistance, however until they came to the enemy machine gun nests they were located in the high rocky crags in the southeastern portion of the woods. Under orders previously received, the second phase of the attack, namely the capture of the Borches, was not to begin until the Bois de Bella had been freed from the enemy, and this fact reported to the regimental headquarters. Consequently, it was impractical for the two right companies to advance beyond the line occupied by the two left companies.
The 82nd and 83rd companies, after having done gallant work in reducing several of the machine gun nests, were unable to press the advance with the men remaining. Consequently, at 8.30, all companies were ordered to dig in. At 8.45 p.m., the following message was sent to the regimental commander from 3rd Battalion at PC. Date, June 6, 1918, Headquarters, 8.45 p.m. to Regimental Commander. Unable to advance infantry further because of strong machine gun positions and artillery fire, have given orders to hold present position at fore edge of woods. Losses already heavy. Await instructions. Signed, Sibley. The battalion PC at this time was in the ravine about 150 yards from the east edge of the woods. Word was received from Commanding Officer, 2nd Battalion, 6 Marines, at about 10.45 p.m. that a detachment of the 96th Company had entered Borches from the east and was in urgent need of reinforcements. Information had been received about 30 minutes before that Colonel Catlin had been wounded in the first hour of the engagement. Lieutenant Colonel Lee's PC had not been located by our runners, and in the absence of any communication with the regimental commander, Major Sibley ordered the 84th and 97th Companies to advance from their positions in the field into the town of Borches. The 82nd and 83rd companies held their positions and continued to dig in. The battalion headquarters remained in the ravine near the 82nd and 83rd companies. The 84th and 97th companies, not meeting with any resistance from the enemy, arrived in Borches at about 11.40 p.m. and entered the town. These companies were assigned positions by the senior officer present and proceeded to dig in. During the night of the 6th and 7th, Major Fox arrived with two companies of the 2nd Engineers and was assigned to a position in the rear of the 82nd company. There was great difficulty with communications during this time. The telephone line was frequently shot out, and runners encountered gas in the area between Lucy and the battalion PC. Water was available only by being carried in canteens along the difficult ravine that led to Lucy. Some rations were dumped there also, but owing to the scarcity of men, only a few could be carried into the woods. The two companies in Borches were able to get some rations by forward trucks during the night. Ammunition consisting of cha-chat, Springfield pistol flares and a few grenades were brought up. The engineers also brought tools. During the night of the 6th to the 7th, the boys de Bella was under lively artillery fire most of the time. The gas from high explosive shells was very distressing. Early in the day of June 7th, the battalion commander made a reconnaissance of the frontline positions and made readjustments of certain of the units so as to afford better protection against the enemy who held strong positions in our woods just to the northeast of us. 80th Company under Captain Coffinberg, which had taken up a position in the rear of the battalion PC astride the Lucy Borches Road, was ordered into a support position in the southeastern corner of Bois de Bella. The morning of the 7th, the battalion PC was moved 150 yards to the rear, and the battalion adjutant was sent to regimental and brigade headquarters to explain the general situation and to tell of the exhausted condition of the men. No sleep had been possible the previous night, and hot food had not been had in eight days. The enemy also held dangerous and harassing positions while on our left flank. The day passed rather quietly, except in the afternoon, when a lively artillery bombardment of the woods occupied by us was made. The battalion quartermaster, Lieutenant McFarland, and three of his men were severely wounded on the borches Lucy road while under orders to take rations to Borches. Early in the afternoon, the battalion commander received word that the battalion would make an attack in the next morning at 4 a.m. A major was sent for by the brigade commander and they are given definite instructions. At 11.30 p.m., the enemy attacked our positions with strong force and put down heavy artillery and machine gun fire on all our positions. Our losses were comparatively slight, mostly from artillery fire. The enemy, however, it was afterward learned from prisoners and from observation of dead bodies, suffered very heavy losses from our fire. 
The 83rd Company on the eastern edge of the wood did very effective work with automatic rifles and captured enemy machine guns upon the larger body of the Germans who were attacking the Borchez from the north. These assaults broke down before they reached our lines. Orders had been given to the company commanders the night of the 7th relative to their positions in the attack on the morning of the 8th of June. They were to be in position at 3 a.m. The 82nd Company was on the right, with its right resting on the southeast corner of the woods. The 83rd Company was on the left of the 82nd Company. Both of these companies were in four waves. Two platoons of the 80th Company were in support with instructions to protect the left flank. A detail of the 2nd Engineers was detailed to protect the right flank and to advance in rear of the right of the 82nd Company along the eastern edge of the woods. The remaining Engineers and two platoons of the 80th Company were held in reserve. The 83rd Company was withdrawn into the woods from its advanced position in time to get into line. The attack was preceded by a short bombardment by Stokes Mortars. The Stokes Mortars belonged to the Stokes Mortars Platoon of the Headquarters Company's 6th Regiment and had been brought up and placed in position during the night. This bombardment did not prove to be very effective on account of the density of the forest and the consequent difficulty of, in observing the fire. The attack began as scheduled. The machine gun nests were soon encountered and it was found that they were, all, they were well fortified in the rocks and held in an exceedingly strong position. The fire from these machine guns was terrific. They were also well supplied with hand grenades. This fire cost us heavy casualties, but we were able to capture four machine guns and to kill many of the enemy who were garrisoned in, in this machine gun nest. Much execution was done by automatic rifles. Bombs were scarce. The rifles played the most important role, and some enemy were also killed by the bayonet. Hard fighting continued until about 8.30 a.m., when the battalion commander found from personal observation and from reports made to him that the enemy had many machine guns placed in a series of strong points or forts in such manner that one flanked the other. Four of these strong points were located and two surrounded by our men. The battalion commander being on the ground and at the time being convinced that he could not carry these forts without artillery preparation even by expending all his forces, he decided to hold the ground gained by withdrawing his men sufficiently to gain cover and dig in. Accordingly, the commander of the 83rd Company was directed to hold this position, while the rest of the forces were withdrawn and placed in, a, in the holes and trenches which had been constructed. The 83rd Company was then placed on the left of the 82nd Company, and preparations made to hold this position at all costs. The engineers and the 80th Company were again placed in support positions. These movements were also completed at about 11.30 a.m., Reconnaissance was then made of all immediate surrounding country and a report made to the brigade commander through a brigade staff officer who came to get an estimate of the situation. During the afternoon of the 8th, we were heavily shelled by enemy artillery, which caused some casualties, the heaviest losses being borne by some of the platoons of the 80th Company. In the early morning of the 8th, the 97th Company was moved to woods about one kilometer southeast of Borchez. One platoon of the 97th Company was sent to reinforce the rest of this battalion and the boys de Bella and they were placed in support near the 80th Company. The afternoon of the 8th, word was received from Brigade Headquarters that the enemy machine gun nests, which had not been captured, would be subjected to our own artillery fire, and that our line on the left front should withdraw slightly in order to avoid endangering our own men. The following message was then sent. Headquarters, 3rd Battalion, 8th of June, 1.55 p.m., 2, Commanding General, 4th Brigade. We'll have men under cover for artillery fire south edge of the woods within 125 yards of edge by 3 p.m. Regret to report officers and men are too much exhausted for further attack or strong resistance until after several hours rest. Enemy shelling our position now. Damage not serious at present. Signed, Sibley. In accordance with instructions, the 83rd Company and engineers withdrew slightly in the direction of the ravine. 
Kozak posts, however, were left somewhat in advance. Ammunition was received during the day. Hold rations were carried in from Lucy. The following message was sent regarding difficulty of rationing battalion. Headquarters, 3rd Battalion, 8th of June, 2.10 p.m. 2. Commanding Officer, 6th Regiment. Enclosed message is replied to message received direct from Brigade Commander. Please consider matter of relief and hot food for battalion. All much exhausted. Captain Koffenberg, 80th Company, reports his company has had very little to eat during the last two days and has had no rations at present. Signed, Sibley. Headquarters, 3rd Battalion, 8th June, 2.10 p.m. 2. Lieutenant Colonel Lee. Through some error, the 83rd Company received no rations today. Also have had none today. Is it possible to get something to them today? Signed, Sibley. At 8.30 p.m., orders were received from the regimental headquarters that this battalion would be relieved by the 1st Battalion of the 6th Regiment. Later instructions, however, provided for no relieving battalion to take our positions. These were to be vacated entirely in order that our artillery might have a free hand in reducing the enemy machine gun nests. This battalion, with the exception of the 84th Company, assembled at daylight on the morning of the 9th in Bois de Platery, approximately 2 kilometers south of Margini. The battalion was then in Corps Reserve. The 84th Company was not relieved from its position in the woods southwest of Borchez until the night of June 9th, the 10th, when it joined the battalion. Here we received our first hut and food since the 31st of May. All men were given a chance to clean up and some new clothes were issued. On June 9th, battalion received replacements of six officers and 128 men. At 7 p.m., June 11th, the following order was received from Commanding General, 4th Brigade, at PC June 11th, hour, 6 p.m., number 7, to Commanding Officer, 3rd Battalion, 6 Marines. Your battalion is relieved as Corps Reserve and detailed as a Brigade Reserve. It will proceed at dark tonight in the woods, just northwest of Lucy Le Bocage. 174.0, TAC 261.5. Copy to Commanding Officer 6. Sign, Harbord. The battalion arrived at the Brigade Reserve position at 1 a.m. June 12th. During the day of June 12th, the woods were shelled. Casualties, five men wounded. At dark, on the night of June 12th to the 13th, the battalion relieved the 1st Battalion of the 5th Marines, taking over its position northeast of Hill 142, as shown on the attached sketch B. 125 replacements and two officers were received at this time. This sector was held until the night of 15-16 during which period a battalion was attached to the 5th Regiment. There was shelling at intervals, but very few casualties. The positions were improved and wire was put up. On the night of the 15th to the 16th, the 1st Battalion of the 174th French Infantry relieved this battalion, which then proceeded to the Bois de Platerie at .170.0, TAC 259.5, where it remained as Divisional Reserve until the night of June 21st to the 22nd. While in this position, a few new clothes and some equipment were issued and the battalion was sent to the Marne at St. Ald for bathing. On the night of June 21st, the battalion relieved the 3rd Battalion, 5th Regiment, as Brigade Reserve in the woods, about one kilometer northwest of Lucy de Bocage. On night of June 22nd to 23rd, battalion relieved 2nd Battalion, 7th Infantry in southeast corner of Bois de Bella. The 97th Company, less one platoon, 84th and 82nd, were placed in the line from right to left. The 83rd and one platoon of the 97th in support. The battalion was shelled while making relief. Casualties were five wounded and one killed. The battalion stayed in this position until June 29th. During stay here, wire was put up across the entire front. The enemy shelled woods daily, resulting in 45 casualties. While in this position, frequent night patrols were made and the battalion scouts did some sniping with good results. The rations were much better than on former stays in the trenches. 
The men were often able to get hot beans in addition to the usual cold ration. The Red Cross and YMCA gave all companies an issue of chocolate, tobacco, and cakes almost daily. This issue served to raise the morale of the men. At 7 p.m., night of June 25th, the 3rd Battalion, 5th Regiment, which was on our left, made an attack. Lieutenant Garrett, with two platoons of the 83rd Company, were sent to support for this attack. These platoons supported the attack on the right and were returned to this battalion early on the morning of June 27th. During the day, June 26th, this battalion sent approximately 25 men to the 3rd Battalion of the 5th Regiment to be used in taking prisoners to the rear. These men were returned by daylight on the morning of June 27th. On the night of June 29th, the battalion was relieved by 1st Battalion, 6th Regiment. The battalion proceeded to Bois de Grosjean on the east side of the Paris-Metz Road, two kilometers north of Montreal. Battalion remained in this position until July 5th. On July 2nd, 1918, 80 men and four officers left battalion for Paris to take part in the 4th of July parade of American soldiers. While on Bois de Grosjean, the battalion was issued some new clothing and equipment. All the men were given a bath in the Marne. On the night of July 5th to 6th, battalion was relieved by 3rd Battalion, 103rd Infantry. Upon being relieved, this battalion proceeded to a point in the woods 800 yards north-northwest of the town of bazou le The battalion was then told to occupy a portion of the army line assigned to this division, to the right and left of bazou le On July 6th, battalion PC was moved into the town of bazou le the 84th Company on the left and the 97th Company on the right were placed in position along the army line to the north of the town. These companies covered two kilometers of the line. The 82nd and 83rd Companies were held in reserve about one kilometer in rear of the line. The battalion remained in this position until the 8th of July, during which time work was done improving the trench system. On July 6th, the Paris detail returned. This battalion was relieved by the 1st Battalion, 6th Regiment, on the afternoon of July 8th and proceeded to Nantuel-sur-Marne, where we were held in reserve for Army Line. While at Nantuel, drill was conducted in small groups and swimming instruction was given daily. On the afternoon of July 13th, the battalion moved to Bizou and relieved 2nd Battalion, 6th Regiment, on the Army Line to the north of Bizou. The 82nd and 83rd Companies were put into line, and the 84th and 97th Companies were held in reserve one kilometer in rear of the line. While here, work was done improving the trench system. The total casualties for this battalion while in the Chateau Servi sector were one officer and 81 men killed, 13 officers and 282 men wounded, two officers dying of wounds after reaching hospital, and 25 men missing. When the battalion went out into the woods as Corps Reserve, a careful check was made, and the casualties during recent fighting were 42% officers and 40% enlisted men. This casualty is taken from messages written on the field at the time and has not been revised. It is, however, approximately correct.